Hi, this is Jeff Rona, and you're listening to the Liquid Cinema Listening Podcast. These are our quarantine stories, um, all in Los Angeles on a stay-safe-at-home policy of not leaving for any unnecessary reasons. And we are all doing our best to adapt to a new way of living that involves keeping our distance from people we know and things we like to do and places we like to go. And we're all learning to cope with it in our own way. And that's what these podcasts are about. This is our second podcast, and this will feature three stories. Hopefully you enjoyed the first one. This one has a story by Ernie Rideout, who is part of the Stanford Jazz Education Program up in Stanford, California. And he's actually drawing from a fascinating family story that has resonated with him during a time of challenge. He's also going through some physical issues that he can't deal with while the hospitals in his neighborhood are completely full. We have a story by a voice actor here in Los Angeles who's had to adapt his lifestyle quite a bit, but has a much more uplifting and somewhat whimsical way that he's expressing the way he is handling it. And finally, a good friend of ours, Adam Wakeman from outside of London, England, who has been a touring musician with Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne and was actually stuck in South America when this all happened, but was able to record a brief message from home. So here are three quarantine stories from the Liquid Cinema Listening Podcast. My name is Ernie Rideout. I am a music educator and the marketing director for the Stanford Jazz Workshop. And I'm calling in from Menlo Park, California, where I have been sheltering in place for more than most have, because I suffered a back injury at the very beginning of 2020. Everybody is feeling anxiety and fear about the current threat of the uh, coronavirus and all of the measures that we're having to adopt in order to prevent the spread of the disease. We're all really nervous. We're all scared about losing our livelihoods. We're all scared about what's going to happen to our society and to our political system as a result of all the stuff that's happening. It's a scary time, and especially for all of us who are now cooped up and we can't take action the way we would normally like to. When I feel anxious about this, or when I feel just completely hopeless about my situation, as I'm not going to be able to get the treatment I need for many weeks when the hospitals finally clear out and they're able to give the surgery that I need. So when I'm at my bleakest, I think about my dad, who, when he was 24 years old, he had been a uh, flight instructor in the U.S. Army Air Corps for a number of years during World War II, and he was assigned to the Flying Tigers, or what had been the Flying Tigers and what was then the Chinese-American Composite Wing. He was uh, shipped over to China, and he flew search-and-destroy missions against the Japanese Army, which had 
invaded China very deep into Chinese territory up the Yangtze River. And it was my dad's job to get into his P-40 every couple of days and fly out into the countryside and to look for targets. One day, that target was on the Yangtze River and he was instructed to search for possible Japanese army troop movement. He was flying, following the course of the river, and he um, told his wingmen, he had two other pilots with him, both who were uh, from the Chinese Nationalist Air Force. He told them to stay at altitude, and he would go down right onto the river to see if he could locate any targets. As he flew just a hundred feet off the um, deck, as they say, or off the level of the water and followed the course of the river, he suddenly found himself flying under the largest camouflage net he'd ever seen in his life. It was enormous. It stretched for a mile or more. And right in front of him were dozens of troop ships loading on Japanese army troops and ordnance. He immediately headed for the nearest ship, released his bombs, strafed, peeled off, and in the course of trying to peel off and get out of there, his plane was hit by anti-aircraft fire. The engine on his P-40 burst into flames, but in order to bail out, he had to be at least 5,000 feet. And at the moment, at that time, he was probably 200 feet off the ground. So he headed up as best he could with his airplane completely on fire around him. And as the plane got up to altitude, he tried to, he went to release his canopy so he could bail out. And he found that the controls for operating the canopy had been shot away. There was just a hole in the fuselage where the controls had been. So he had to get on his back in his small, tight pilot seat, put his feet up on the canopy and kick it until he could get a space enough to get his fingers in between the canopy and the windshield and then pull the canopy back at which point the plane was still on fire and he stood up to bail out and realized that he had left his cigarettes so he bent down picked up his cigarettes put them in his pocket zipped the pocket and then realized that they had never taught him how to bail out of an aircraft so he just took a step out and he was hit in the back by the stabilizer as he um, fell out of the airplane. He was knocked unconscious. He awoke suspended by his parachute with no memory of having pulled the ripcord. He landed in a field and a uh, farmer, a Chinese farmer, came up to him. My dad tried to communicate with him. The farmer ran away and came back with a team of Japanese army sympathizers. They were Chinese. They were mercenaries. They captured him, took him to a compound, and he could not understand a word they were saying, but it was clear from their gestures and what they were looking at that they were probably going to cut off his fingers to take off his rings, and near as he could tell, they were going to kill him. At that moment, a band of Chinese nationalist guerrillas burst into the compound with automatic weapons and mowed down this group of Japanese army sympathizers right in front of my dad. One of this band spoke English. He had worked, been an engineer for Standard Oil in China, so his English was flawless. 
and he asked my dad to come with them and they were going to help him escape and get back to his base, which they did by hiding him during the day and then proceeding on mules and horses at night through the canyons and the forest and backwoods, small little trails to keep out of sight. And 10 days later, they delivered him to his airbase. So when I'm thinking that I can't bear another moment of my physical pain or my emotional pain or my anxiety, I think about that. I think about how my dad set aside every fear that a human being could possibly have so that he could A, get in that airplane, B, direct the airplane directly to his target, which had guns blazing at him, and then to have to set aside his fear of fire, to have to set aside his fear of jumping out of an airplane. And that gets me through the day. My name is Eric Edelstein. I had a weird, crazy kind of silver lining thing happen with all this in that um, I play a cartoon grizzly bear on a television show and called We Bear Bears. And I was just feeling like everybody else, like down and wondering if there's anything you can do to help. And so I offered online on Instagram to leave voice messages from Grizz to anybody that wanted it. And all these parents and kids started writing in and asking for messages. So I would just leave them messages and I would ask for specific details. I'd be like, hey, Chad, how you doing, buddy? It's Grizz down at the cave with Pan Pan and Ice Bear. Ice Bear, put that sword down. You know, fun stuff. And I started getting messages back from parents saying their kids had not smiled in a week and were smiling and parents were crying. I was like, okay, if this is on my extremely tiny, moderate level of notoriety, imagine what my cooler friends could do if we started something with cartoon characters and kids. So I started an Instagram account called Voice Actors Read. And I asked every single one of my friends for favors, if they would participate and help And then my friend Lisa Schaefer, who is an Emmy-nominated animation casting director, started asking all the voiceover ringers why I asked everybody I've worked with in my 18 years as a character actor in Los Angeles. And this little thing started, and we've been reading to kids online every single day. And it's so cool. So, like, today we had Cree Summer and Taylor Schilling, and on Monday, we're going to have a reunion of the show, Kim Possible. We're going to have SpongeBob and Bender and every kind of cartoon character you can imagine. It all came out of just kind of that feeling of desperation of wondering if I can help. And then it kind of happened. And it's been a joy for me because it's been about an incredible amount of work every day wrangling 80 different actors. It's like 8 to 12 hours a day of it and it's been great because those are hours I'm not watching the news or wondering about anything else and it really made me realize that we all have something we can do to help even if it's as silly as doing a voice of a cartoon bear and somebody's happy to hear it and it's really been wonderful and a fun way to kind of push art through right now and it gives these kids and parents a a couple things to look forward to a day and I think like a lot of Maybe people that are in Hollywood 
drawing a paycheck for doing this. You wonder, am I doing enough with my life? Am I kind of coasting? You know, should I be a district attorney working for low-income people in Spokane? And you wrestle with those things, but something like this has really kind of showed me that, oh, wow, artists, we we can actually help and, and people care. So it's been really wonderful. And so, if you want to hear us, if you want to be read to, go to at Voice Actors Read on Instagram, and we would love to read to you. I mean, beyond any of that, I just keep thinking about the things I took for granted, and I cannot wait to do when I go outside. I can't wait to hug my friends. I cannot wait for that first concert. I've gone to a lot of crazy concerts in my life, a lot of crazy trips, and before I was like maybe that's some money that should have been <laughs> saved or put into the market or nope every single Neil Young show every single Bob Dylan show is a treasure and I'm so grateful for it because art's medicine and it's going to get us all through this and I cannot wait till that first concert because right now my last concert Jackson Brown showed up yet and he tested positive for corona so luckily I'm a tall man so I like being in the back but it was a weird omen so I cannot wait to just kind of experience life again the really cool thing for me is I'm one of those kind of disgustingly optimistic people is already seeing how people are coming together and I'm watching people you know show what they can do to other people that may not know how. My wife is a dog groomer, so she did an online tutorial teaching people how to groom their dogs. People are giving cooking lessons. People are, you know, showing how to cut human hair. Uh, In this last three weeks or whatever, not to name drop, I've learned how to cook cauliflower and eggplant. It's been incredible. You salt the eggplant first. You salt the eggplant for 20 minutes to an hour. You wash it off. You're welcome, friends. It's incredible. Uh, we're cooking at home, not eating out. My pants fit better without even trying. I believe they're really sneaking sugar and fat in there, friends. I thought I was eating pretty healthy. I'm a vegan, but no, that fake meat. But you already start to see the bright lights, and I feel like as part of society, it's almost like this situation has shown a light on all the massive inequality in our society. And it's heartbreaking how little we're taking care of our workers and our people, and we're kind of seeing that this doesn't run without them. And I hope we never, ever, ever make this mistake again. And I hope we learn. But you can feel people coming together. I got in the Next Door app, and I'd always been very resistant to it because I expected it to be casual racism and entitlement, you know, for, for people in our little neighborhood. And instead, all it is is people offering to help, offering to go buy things for the elderly, strangers. It's really crazy. And, and beautiful and you're just it's one of those weird things where you really do see the best in people and we're all going to learn what each other can do and kind of bring it in and probably be less reliant on the outside world in the future to you know <laughs> cut your dog's hair or cook cauliflower uh, and pay 14 bucks for it anyway thank you for this opportunity and yeah there's always going to be a bright side it's just the waiting for it right now that we have to endure. My name's Adam Wakeman. Um, I'm the keyboard player in Ozzy Osbourne's band and also uh, owner and director of the Perfect Music Library over here in England. 
this has obviously been quite a strange time for everybody. Um, I'm currently sat in my studio at the end of my garden, looking at my children through the window, homeschooling. Um, I've set them their morning tasks, so once they've finished the cleaning and washing, uh, they move on to the ironing and the vacuum cleaning. Uh, so yeah, the homeschooling's going really well, and the house is quite tidy for a change. I was actually stuck over in South America, I was on tour playing keyboards for Martin Barr from Jeff Rotel, and we got pretty much as the tour progressed, uh, it got more and more uh, sketchy to get home. So we ended up, the last few shows got cancelled, and we, we had to get back from Chile via Peru via Mexico to come home. On the way to uh, Peru, they shut the borders, so we ended up having to come straight back from Santiago and Chile. So there was a uh, via Madrid, which had already closed its borders. So it was quite a, an ordeal to get home. and. Um, but very relieved to get home and see my family and my kids. Um, the weird thing about being uh, being predominantly a touring musician is that I don't see a great deal of my family, and uh, this is the other extreme here, where we are obviously quarantined in uh, in our house, and I'm seeing an awful lot of them, which is fantastic. The only thing I have realised is perhaps that teachers should uh, be paid between one and ten million pounds a year uh, for their tolerance of not killing children because th they push you to the absolute end of your tether uh, within about an hour. So I have a, a, a newfound respect for teachers <laughs> who seem to have the patience uh, of a saint. But uh, um, this first week, I must say, I haven't got any recording done because I've spent the whole time becoming an accountant and trying to work out how best to juggle finances and all the other things that musicians that tend to do lots of different things from playing live and recording and obviously a lot of people listening to this will be uh, also in the same boat so the only advice I can give if anybody's interested is just take a deep breath and we've just got to try and forget about all the other stuff and concentrate on what we enjoy doing and what we do best so good luck everyone and uh, I shall see you on the other side That does it for this episode of the Listening Podcast, Quarantine Stories. I want to thank Ernie Rideout, Eric Edelstein, and Adam Wakeman for sharing a little bit of what's going on with them. And we have quite a few more to come, which we're excited to show you. We'll be posting it slightly haphazardly, so keep an eye on your podcast service that we are using. You can find us on Apple Spotify, and pretty much all of the better podcast distribution platforms. So check that out, and we hope you'll actually go back and listen to our first season of The Listening Podcast, which were interviews with really interesting creative people in all sorts of capacities, and, and we love their stories. But we're really happy to be presenting these little snippets of how people are dealing with being in isolation, in quarantine. And um, if you have any thoughts, want to write to us, or if you want to record your own podcast quarantine story, we are at uh, podcast at liquidcinema.com. And uh, stay tuned for more.